Well, good afternoon or good morning, whichever folks, wherever you are. Welcome to those in Christian Coffee Time. I'm Pastor Paul and here to uh, do another video on the book of Revelation. So, hope you have your uh, writing material and such handy there and your Bible open and we're going to have a look at chapter 21. We're getting near the end of it all. We're uh, wrapping it up. Um, we'll just uh, have a look see what's going on here. Chapter 21 and 22 kind of flow together, uh, as it all flows together, but you know, we've been looking at the whole thing, looking at uh, uh, by, you know, sections and stuff like that. Like for instance, we look at the um, the seals in a, as a section and the trumpets and the and the vials and bowls as a section and so on and so forth. Now we're at the end of it all. Um, we've seen in chapter 20 that the after the Lord Jesus came uh, will, this of course is a future, comes to the earth in chapter 19 and the battle of Armageddon and he sets things straight there and then we saw in chapter 20 one of the first things that the uh, devil himself was um, um, chained and put in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and then part way through the chapter verse 11 uh, John says and I saw a great white throne now a thousand years time passes from the first part of chapter 20 to the last part of chapter 20. The judgment seat of Jesus Christ, in which uh, um, all the, the dead will be brought up before him, all those that um, he's going to judge at that time. And it ended with in chapter 20, and whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, and the book of life was cast into the lake of fire very serious, very terrible things happening there. And uh, I just hope that those that see this, and you know, some people, I've heard some comments, people don't want to listen to things about the Bible, and they think it's nonsense and it's foolishness. Well, to the unsaved, it is foolishness. They can't understand it. It's uh, spiritually discerned. But uh, the Spirit of God may give you some understanding in that and bring you to the, that place where you see your sins as an affront to God, as rebellion towards God, and for Him to help Him to see, uh, allow you to see some of these things that are, um, would pertain to you if you're unsaved. You need to be saved for um, there will come a time when God is going to judge the world. He has given us a great and wonderful gift through His Son Jesus Christ who went to the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice in our places of the Lamb of God and gave his life on the cross that's god in the in the flesh on the cross for our sins and he died there they buried him in the tomb and he rose from the dead on the third day and uh, he just uh, asks or holds out his hand to all and any would you believe in my son jesus christ now you have to you have to respond to the call of the gospel and hopefully you'll respond positively. It's a wonderful thing to know that your sins are forgiven. If you do not, you will find yourself standing before the Lord as your judge in this end of this chapter 20 as it states there. We covered that in the last um, video. This one we're looking at, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So John's getting and get given all these things to see visions or is it actual things uh, in time uh, we won't need 
to discuss that at all, but John says, I saw, and then he was told, write down the things that you see. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This old earth is going to be gone. It's going to be renovated by fire. Um, there's going to be a new, uh, uh, a new heaven that's going to be rolled up as a scroll, the Bible says. So I don't believe that. Well, wait and see. Just wait and see. God is God, and, uh, and the Bible is the Word of God. So we see after the thousand years, uh, um, after the, uh, um, the judgment seat there, we see the, the new heaven and the new earth. The old is gone, it, everything's changed, there's no more sea. Now, does that mean there's no more water at all on the earth? Or what sea is he referring to? Is it Galilee? Is it under the Mediterranean? Uh, I'm not sure, he just says there's be no sea. And uh, verse 2, and he says, And I, John, saw... John saw these things. He says, look at, uh, I saw it with my own eyes. There it is, and I'm writing it down here. And just like we go back into the, um, the book of uh, Corinthians, chapter uh, 15 of, of the first Corinthians, where we see the uh, gospel being laid out, how Christ uh, died according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again from the dead according to the scriptures. Then it says that he was seen by many brethren, and he was seen by... This is after he rose from the dead, he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time. And the uh, Apostle Paul says, and many of them are still alive. You can go ask them if you don't believe me. So John's saying, I saw this, and here it is. I saw this, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down. Now what God is going to do, this New Jerusalem is a place that God has we say built, that's not the right word. It gives you the wrong image in your mind. God didn't use hammer and saw and all that kind of thing, but uh, there it is. And it's huge and gives us the dimensions of it. We'll look at that in a minute. And it comes down from heaven. You see, our final place is not heaven. Anyway, I'm going to be with God in heaven forever. Well, heaven's going to come down to earth. Let's put it that way, in this new earth. We'll put it like that. Um, John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, uh, prepared as a bride, just decked out in her finest. And there it is, and just an amazing thing to look at. Now, we go through this, we're going to look at, he's going to talk about some of the precious stones and things like that. And we're not, gonna, we're not going to uh, get into each of the stones and what, it's, what it is and so on and so forth. You can do a study um, on your own in on that, we're just giving kind of an overview of what's taken place here as we've been doing all along. So we see in verse 3, the tabernacle of God. Now the tabernacle simply means the dwelling place, okay, where he lives. Uh, we tabernacle right now in this old body and wherever it is around the country where you, uh, where you live, that's your tabernacle. But the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God is with men, it's with mankind. And God wants to be with his people. Even today, God wants to spend time with you. He wants you to spend time with Him. Fellowship with the Lord is very important. It's very good for us. It's something that God wants. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, the devil messed all that up, fooled Adam and Eve, and messed up the fellowship that God had with Adam and Eve, and so on and so forth. The relationship was changed somewhat, wouldn't you say? But God wants to fellowship. God's desire is to be with his people, his people to be with him. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, 
you are to maintain that fellowship with the Lord. You are to spend that time and put maintaining up the right word, but you know what I mean? You maintain fellowship with the church, hopefully, or have a church you're going to. Sometimes people don't know where to go to church because maybe there's not one that's you should be going to. You know what I mean? Um, but we must spend that time with the Lord every day. Spend time with God. Spending time uh, consciously uh, um, speaking to Him and such. I think it was Spurgeon that said that he was, there was never uh, a time when he was not in conscious communication with the Lord. You know, that's something you think about. But God desires to be in fellowship with you. Don't leave off your Bible reading and your prayer time. Bring God into everything. Bring everything to God. Your, your prayer life and your Bible reading. In verse 4, we have a tremendous, tremendous uh, verse here. Um, he says that uh, um, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and, and they shall be his people and he'll be his, his, uh, he will be their God. We will be with him, with God, kind of like, you know, back in the Garden of Eden before it got all messed up. There was just a special time there, wasn't it? A special fellowship. We're going to have uh, that fellowship with the Lord. But now he's talking about this city. Not a, a garden, per se, but the, the, uh, uh, the city. And we'll have a look at the description here. Um, but look at verse 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's a lot of tears flow today. We have a song we used to sing when we were allowed to go and do into the uh, nursing homes and retirement homes and such. That tears are a language that God understands, and he does. He understands that, he understands that broken heart. Maybe you have a broken heart here today. Maybe you've got things that bring tears to your eyes. When we look at the unsaved round about us, that should bring a tear to our eyes. And if you find yourself just cold to those things, you should uh, ask the Lord, give me a burden, Lord, for the, uh, help me to see the unsaved as you see them, as once for whom Christ has died. But there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more death. Be no more sorrow, be no more crying, be no more pain. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis, all these things were introduced in the book of Genesis, in the beginnings of all that happened through the fall of Adam and Eve, and subsequently then passed on to every person and so on. And here we have in Revelation all those things taken away, gone, and done. An amazing thing. The former things are passed away. An amazing thing it will be that we know death, nobody will die. There'll be no sorrow. How could you have sorrow in the presence of God Almighty? There'll be no crying, no pain. Verse 5, I made all things new. All things are made new. And he says, write these things, John. These words are faithful and true. You can take these things. This is what's going to happen. It's hard for us to comprehend. We can read about it. We picture in our minds what the city is going to be like, what it's going to be like to be with the Lord. And maybe we can't envision it in our mind too well or whatever. But someday, someday, we will be there. The believers, we will be there with Him. I make all things new, right? Uh, these words are faithful and true. Verse 6, And He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. Now the Alpha and Omega go back to Revelation chapter 1. I think it's verse 8 uh, where you see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, using that Alpha and Omega at the beginning of the end. I am the Almighty, he says. Uh, in case anybody wondered who Jesus was, this is the Almighty. Uh, 
Here we see God saying, I am Alpha and Omega. That's the beginning and the ending of all things. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Are you thirsting for righteousness? Have you, perhaps you're not saved and, and your life is just, it's kind of a mess, you know. Sometimes that happens, isn't it? Life just gets a mess. And you get just tired of the way things are. Or you see your sins, you see yourself, and you read things from the Bible or you hear things and you say, boy, I, I wish I knew more. I, I, I wish things were different. Well, then get to Jesus Christ. Look to Him. Trust in Him. Uh, a, a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. Just that refreshment, that thing that we need. You know, you can't live without water. You can live without food for, what, like something like 50 or 55 days or something. You'd be off thin. <laughs> but uh, you can't live without water for many days at all, really. I don't know how many days it is. Three or four days or something. You're in, you're in a world of hurt. But anyways, the water that God gives. In verse 6 he says, It is done. The wrath of God is finished. It's gone. The old world is gone. Everything about this world is gone. It's gone and done. The economic system, the religious system, the political system, it's all gone. All the unbelievers are gone. But here in 21 uh, verse 6, he's referring to, referring to the completion of God's restoration, of God's renovation of the earth, and bringing things back to a state uh, where they should be. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Here we have the end of the biblical account, so to speak, as we have our Bible. We're coming to the end of it, too. But it's not the end of anything. It's just the end of what God has given to us as the Scripture here. We're going to, from this point, we're going to enter into all eternity. All eternity, where there is no time. If you could measure it in time, say you could measure, I don't know, a billion, billion years. We'll still be with Him. There's no time there, it just goes on. And there's no night, it's just like constant day. How do you fathom that? You can't really too well. We just accept it, what he says. Here we have the end of the biblical account, but the beginning of eternity. Verses six and seven to the thirsty. Those that thirst for righteousness, those that want to know the Lord, those that know the Lord, those that are the overcomers. Remember back in the letters to the seven churches, to every one of the churches, he that overcomes, that has the idea, it means a victor, a victory, and over, you've overcome the, the obstacles, the, the devil, uh, yourself, and you've become a believer. He says, they shall inherit all things. All things that are Christ's will be ours. What an amazing, amazing thing. All all of God's will be ours, and God will be ours. When you get saved, the Spirit of God comes and indwells inside your body. You read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it talks about that the, the um, Holy Spirit is an earnest. It means like he's a, like a down payment. You don't lose your salvation. God says, I'm going to give you myself <laughs> to show you and ensure that you're secure and you're going to be with me. When you get saved, you're with him always and forever. You can't lose your salvation. People just don't understand what the Bible says. Ones that say you can lose your salvation. You'd have to sin, wouldn't you, to lose your salvation somehow? 
Did Jesus pay for all the sins on the cross of Calvary? Did he leave some out? No, no, no. All. All's done. You trust in Christ, all your sins are done upon him, and he gives you the himself, the Holy Spirit, as the down payment, your inheritance. Here in verse 7, I will be his God and he shall be my son. We'll be with him. The great inheritance that we have is God Almighty. He's ours. And the reality of it someday will be upon us. Eternity awaits, folks. Eternity awaits. Verse 8, but, now we've got to look at the other side of the coin for a bit here. When you see that word but, it's going to be a change in what's happening. We're talking about some real good things, some fantastic things, some eternal things. And he says, but now let's look at the, kind of like the dark side of it here for a moment. In verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. You ever hear somebody say, oh, it's just a little white lie. Oh, yeah? All liars can have their place in the lake of fire. Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, these things and these verses should make people quake in their boots. Because oh, I don't believe in God. You will, but it'll be too late. Now is the day of salvation. Even a lie, a little bitty lie, it's, it's, it's all terrible stuff. It's horrible stuff. Sin is rebellion towards God, and you'll have none of it. And you can't take sin there. You can't have the Savior and your sin. Make your choice. You can go to hell for all eternity, or you can be with God for all eternity. Run to Jesus. Run to Him while you can. The fearful and unbelieving, all these ones, have their part in the lake of fire. It's the second death. We talked about that, and it's in chapter 20, the previous. The liars, those which love lies and make lies. You know the devil's called the father of lies? A righteous person abhors lying, can't stand it, hates it. Those that have been saved, you don't want that. You, you, you turn away from that. But when we're unsaved, we don't have a problem lying to people. We're lying to God. First, um, where are we at? I missed something here. Did I miss something? Hang on. Oh, there we are. I got my pages backwards. Verse nine. Uh, one of the uh, one of the seven angels from chapter sixteen is talking to John. He says, "I will show you the Lamb's wife, the bride, the wife." Okay. In verse ten, we get there, and it says he shows John the new city. The New Jerusalem. Uh, now what's going on here? I thought the uh, believers were the bride of Christ and now he's saying the city is the bride of Christ. Well, uh, the church is called the bride of Christ and it's alluded to that very thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 and over the last chapter of Revelation chapter 22 verse 17 says the spirit and the bride say come today the believers are inviting people, come to Christ, get saved, come. And the Spirit of God working in them is doing that work. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the invitation is given to people. And that's one of the believer's jobs. Just get out there and witness and tell people. Invite them to Christ. They may not come. but um, The New Jerusalem is called the Lamb's Wife here in chapter 21, verses 2, 9, and 10. Um, the invitation of salvation given by the Spirit and the bride, as I said. But here in verse 10, the new city is called the Lamb's uh, bride, the wife. 
Now, the city here is representative of the inhabitants. We might say, like, uh, say there was a big parade in New York City, and, and everybody showed up. You'd say, the whole city turned out. I mean, all the buildings were looking? No, don't be silly. It's not about that. It's just referring to that. As here, the city referring to the inhabitants. Are you going to be one of them? The believers. The, 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 the description of the new city. The Bible tells us Abraham looked for a city, didn't he? So what he's going to do now, we're going to get what's called, what I call a tour of the city. John says, I saw this coming down. There it is, coming down from heaven to the new earth. And now he's going to take us on a tour. We're going to have this tour of the uh, new uh, Jerusalem, the city. So we'll have a look at uh, what's... So he starts uh, looking at outside and the, at the walls and the gates and stuff and goes right into chapter 22 and we walk right down the street and everything, but we'll get to that later. So we see in chapter, 11, or chapter 21, verse 11, where the tour starts. Actually, he carried me away, verse 10, in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the, uh, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious. The glory of God, that shining, that Shekinah glory of God, that great light. Some people wonder what was that star that led the wise men to where, uh, uh, um, to the Lord, to the baby Jesus. Um, it wasn't a star, it was the Shekinah glory of God, in case you're wondering. Check that out sometime, we'll do that a whole other time. But the light of the city is the glory of God. They don't have uh, lights and no hydro. <laughs> don't need it. God is the light. God is the life and he's the light. But verse 12 says there's a great wall. There's a huge wall around the city. Now, in biblical times, cities were walled to protect the people inside and to keep uh, undesirable things out. We don't have walled cities and stuff today. Back then they did. And he says there's 12 gates. So he's got, uh, and he describes the city as four square. So you got four sides. And each side would have three gates. That's a lot of gates. But it's a big, big, uh, it's a big uh, um, structure. Um, and at the gates, in verse 12, it says there's, uh, um, at the gates there's 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Over each gate is the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel written. Ezekiel uh, chapter 48, verse 31, you see that same thing being mentioned there. You want to look at the Old Testament sometime about that stuff. So there's three gates in each wall, whether it faces north, south, east, and west, probably does. But uh, verse 14, there's 12 foundations of the wall. So the foundations are kind of like would, could we say footings? You know what the foundation is? They dig down in and make this big concrete or stone foundation. And these footings, um, he mentions right here, there's 12 foundations. And on the 12 foundations, the names of the 12 apostles. Well, wait a minute, what happened to Judas? Judas Iscariot, well, he hung himself, didn't he? Is he one of them? No, he's not one of them. Is it the guy that they, was it Nathaniel? Was that the guy's name in Acts chapter, is it chapter one or chapter two? I forget. I think it's the Apostle Paul as one born out of due time. I think he's the 12th apostle, but we're not gonna uh, divide the church over that one. Um, 
but the apostles, the word apostle means ones that are sent out to do a particular thing, like a mission or something. So the apostles had to be ones that uh, were there with Jesus, saw him, saw him after he was resurrected from the dead, and were sent out by him uh, uh, as well, you know, prior to that. So you have sometimes churches round about where they, some people say, well, I'm an apostle. Well, you must be very old because you have to have been there and seen Jesus, okay? You're not an apostle. Don't give me that. Um, you had 12 of them there. So this angel brings this reed, or like a measuring stick, to measure the uh, city, to measure the gates, to measure the wall. Now, is it the, the angel doing the measuring, or John? I don't know. But um, he measures it. In verse 16, it says that the city is four square. Four square. And he gives the length of it. He says it's 12,000 furlongs. Well, what does that mean? That's 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles square. Now get this, folks. You've got this city coming down, and it's 1,500 miles across, 1,500 miles deep, and 1,500 miles high. Some say, well, that's a pyramid. That's probably a cube. Okay? It's probably not a pyramid at all. Uh, it's four square. It's a cube, likely a cube. But that's pretty big anyways. It would go, uh, uh, how far across North America will that go? That's a, that's a big, big city, okay? There'll be lots of people there, more than you think, I suppose, eh? Uh, but it's huge. And he measured the wall, uh, as the angel measured the wall, the cubits, uh, a cubit, he's saying cubit is uh, approximately one and a half feet. They used to measure the cubit from the tip of your fingers to your elbow. Now, today, for us, a cubit is about uh, 18 inches or a foot and a half. Now. Back earlier, uh, well, let's not get into this, way back after the flood and such, uh, people were probably a lot taller and such. Um, we'll just use by today's cubit, okay? By today's arm, whether they were taller or whatever. Um, but that's still, that's over 200 feet high. That's a, pretty big, uh, uh, that's a pretty big wall, over 200 feet high. And according to a man, a, a man's measure of the angel, the angel, this angel was the same stature as John, but I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Um, verse 18, now the wall was of jasper. Now, you go look it up. I've done this before. I don't remember, okay, and I didn't go and look up these things. I didn't want to go through the 12 uh, stones here. But this one, jasper, is a stone of a, a very brilliant and a transparent kind of a light. Um, and I, I did read this, and it is, uh, the fellow said that the, a diamond would probably uh, be more adequately answer to the description here. It would be like that. Now, if you want to go look up things like that, you want to look up names, you want to look up uh, towns, you want to look up uh, all these different things, there's a really good uh, resource out there, the one I use, I've had for a long time, it's called a Smith's Bible Dictionary. Okay, I was going to bring it here and show you, but... There's probably lots you can get. I like Smith's. It's an old, old one. Um, uh, he lists the, all the different stones and what they do and such. But the number 12 is used extensively here. The number 12 is important, as all numbers are important in the Bible. Number 5 is the number of grace. 13 is the number of rebellion. And 12 is the number of uh, governmental rule, God's perfect rule. Okay? There's 12 gates and there are 12 pearls. 12 gates were made, but 
giant pearl. You know, that. Pearl's an interesting thing, isn't it? Now, it's an organic thing. It's not a stone under the ground. It's an organic substance. A pearl comes from oysters. When they get like a grain of sand inside, then they secrete stuff over it, and over time it be covers and coats that irritant, and it becomes a pearl. It's interesting to note that in our unsafe state, we are a, uh, um, an irritant, aren't we? Irritant to God with our rebellion and so on and so forth. And we can become something very precious through the work of God, the work upon us, through believing in Christ and so on and so forth. And verse 22 says there's no temple therein. There's no temple. Now, uh, the temple of God today is the believer, isn't it? They're talking about, well, they're going to build a temple in Jerusalem. Well, if they build one, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be called God's holy temple. I'm just trying to throw a wrench into some eschatology that some have there. Um, they may build a temple and the Antichrist may be uh, set things up in there, but it's not really God's temple. Here's God's temple right here. Uh, monkey with it. Uh, he says, if any man defile the temple, God's going he's gonna, to, he'll deal with it. No temple therein, there's no future temple in that sense. Uh, God is uh, the temple himself. The Lord himself that says the Father and the Lamb are the temple, that's Jesus and the Father. Uh, verse 23, the city had no need of the sun. The sun's going to be gone. Way back in chapter, where was it? Was it 16? I forgot. I think it might have been chapter 16 in there where the people are going to be upon the earth when God's pouring out his wrath and the sun's going to be so hot it's going to scorch them. I think the sun's going to go into kind of a brightness kind of a mode and it's going to be gone. It's going to deal with it. It'll be done. There won't be no need for it here. There'll be no need for the sun, no need for the moon, for the Lord is the light. There'll always be a constant light. And you know something? There won't be any shadows. Because you know your shadow coming around, that's a picture. See, everything in nature is a picture of something biblical. Okay? Your shadow is a picture of your old self, that old nature that just dogs you, that just follows you around. Okay? Yeah, that's right. The glory of God lightens it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, the nations of them which are saved are delivered from danger. That word saved means to be delivered from danger. Not always, when you read that word saved, it doesn't always mean salvation. For in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2.15, it talks about women being saved through childbearing. It means they're going to be delivered from that second-class role, delivered from the, the, the position of danger where the devil fools them and they want to become something else and not tend to what uh, they should be doing, you know. Um, the nations shall walk in the light of it and kings will bring their glory uh, uh, into it, into this city. What, what's the king's glory? His, his rule, his place, his position. But he acknowledges Jesus Christ and not, not acknowledges God above all things. I'm trying to hurry here. I only got about six minutes left on my before my thing goes out. Um, the gates will not be shut. And there's no night there. The gates are open. There's no need for um, hiding at night, protecting at night. The night time, even the darkness, is a picture of this world under judgment, and so on and so forth. We'll do another video sometime about the pictures in nature, about, uh, about the sun itself and the moon as reflected light, which is the church today. We have no light of ourselves and all that stuff. Verse 26, 
the glory of the nations uh, uh, into it, uh, uh, the praise of it. It's the height of pros prosperity, is that it? I looked up in uh, Webster's Dictionary, uh, it referred to an English definition for glory. Don't usually do that. But uh, uh, the praise of it and the height of prosperity, but it's the glory of nations. Everything's just going to be perfect. In verse 27, nothing that defiles shall enter therein. Nothing that, there will not be anything uh, bad, no abominations, no lies, no liars, just the born again believers, those that have their names written down in the Lamb's book of life. And we talked about that just uh, in the last chapter, in the last video, video number 36. Those that have their names written down in the book of life that become that trust in Jesus Christ with all their hearts and they're saved and born again. How about you? Is your name written down? That's all for today, folks. Video 37, I know we went through it very quickly, but just to give you an idea of what's going on, you go back and read through it, you study it, and cross-reference with some of the things that some of the things I mentioned, Old Testament things and such. Go over it and go over it and go over it. Familiarize yourself with it. And what a wonderful thing that we have this tremendous promise, the promise of God. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God as a down payment, the inheritance. God is our inheritance. We'll be there. And everything we see around about us is going to be gone. Just gone. And God's going to change the earth. The new city is going to come down. The believers will be there and God will be there. What a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous thing. Next time we'll do the chapter 22 and finish up the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Lord bless you. Um, make sure you read your Bible. Remember we talked about fellowship with God. Important. Read your Bible. Pray a lot. Spend time with the Lord. Communicate with Him always, always talking to God. Lord bless you. And we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Bye now.